Welcome to the CineScare Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Speak. And I am also one of your hosts, Joe Jans. And with us, as always, is uh, film critic. This is really screwing me up not having Mark here, but uh, yeah. uh, f- film critic from JoeBlow.com, Mr. Jimmy O. James Oster. And you are muted, James. I am so tired. I am. So, I apologize <laughs> to all, all three of you. Oh, my God. Yes, yeah, yes. I know. And unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, it's almost funny, but unfortunately, uh, Mark can't be here. Uh, and this is, I, I, it's absolutely killing him because he really worked hard to, in, as a go between with Vincent DeSanti. And he, so we have a special guest this time. It is Mr. Vincent DeSanti. He is uh, one of the, I guess, the founder of, or one of the founders of Womp Stomp Films, if I'm not mistaken, and the director of fan films of Friday the 13th, Never Hike Alone. Uh, Never was it never hike in the snow and and the forthcoming this fall, uh, never hike alone too. And I, I think all of our fans out there, or many of them, are quite familiar with Mr. Desanti. We watched a movie with you in it. What was it? What was the one that we watched a couple weeks? Thirteen few, fanboy. Thirteen oh, yeah. fanboy. Yeah. And oh uh, yeah, you were in that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I, do. I am in that. I do pop up. I have all sorts of questions and... just locked and loaded for that movie. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, hey, I also want to point out, Matt, that uh Vincent, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, our only returning guest ever. Except oh, for Jimmy. Wow. Yeah, when Jim I mean, well, Jimmy's a permanent fixture now. Yeah, so right. Yeah. Careful with that's that, true. Vincent. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Wow. Uh, Vincent, uh, you're, taking my, you're taking it from me, man. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, now uh, I guess now after this, I have to be a permanent fixture. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's, yeah, that's the be, trend. That's the yeah, trend. Well, that's right. Well, we do have an opening, so I mean, you know, Mark's not here. I just why don't you just start filling in? I mean, hey, yeah, why just, not? I guess okay, anytime Mark can't make it, you guys just give me a buzz. I'll check yeah, it out. That's, that's what happened yeah. with Mark. He was a guest star, and then he he joined the show. Same thing happened with Jimmy. So you know, hey, yeah. So, uh, anyway, so yeah, that's, I mean, our show is going to be a little bit different this time because we're actually recording it, uh, early. Uh, so this will be coming out in a couple weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. so not that the audience listening is going to know that, but, but we're, but we're doing a little now differently do. this time. <laughs> yeah. So normally we talk about horror movies that we've seen recently first, but this time we've already done that. So we don't have anything to talk about. So we really have all of our time to spend talking to you, to you, uh, Vincent and, uh, how things are going. So maybe start out giving us just a little, uh, uh, check in with where you are in the process of, of, uh, never hike alone too. And, and how you're feeling about it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right now we're about like exactly halfway through physical production. So shooting the film, uh, we have nine days completed of 15 or 16 at the end of the day, depending on if we add, end up adding another day. Uh, wow. It has been definitely a big challenge because we thought we were going to make the film last year. Um, and a, location, a major like, location fell through. It threw our schedule into sort of chaos and then sort of made sense for us to regroup and started the beginning of this year. And then this year started off with uh, the most snow and precipitation that California has gotten in like a hundred years. 
Yep. And so it created a state of emergency in the mountains that ended up moving our first week of production from the second week of April to now the last week of June, which is what I'm preparing for right now. But we have navigated around sort of the bumps in our schedule and the change-ups and all the things that sort of come that way. Um, you know, the first nine days have gone really, really well. Two of those, including the what we shot for the special um for the special sneak preview that we released in January. Uh, we shot that last August with uh, Tom Matthews and Horace Stevie, myself, Brian Forrest, and uh, a few other members of the, of the Womp Stomp Films team. Um, we have shot out our uh, interior and exterior hospital locations. We have shot out the rest of our Camp Crystal Lake lake scenes, things that take place on the water, in the water, on the lake, things like that. Those have been shot out. So all that's left to do is get up to camp. And so it seems pretty um, serendipitous that we're going to end, end the shoot um, up at camp. We're going to be uh, where we were for Never Hike in the Snow, the same spot, Camp Laverne. And then we have the same camp from Never Hike Alone, uh, which is it doesn't even have a name because it's actually an abandoned camp. So we're spending some time up there to marry the two worlds together. Um, a lot of stunts, um, a lot of fighting on left on the plate. A lot of the effects are left on to do. Um, as long as well as a bunch of dialogue scenes, we get a lot of establishing, a lot of back and forth between Rick and Tom. So we'll have Vinny and Tom uh, there in a few weeks. Andrew Lady is back from Never Hike Alone. Uh, uh, Anna Campbell is back from Never Hike in the Snow. She plays uh, Mark's mom. She plays Dr. Diana Hill. Um, obviously, I'm back as Ghost Jason along with my stunt double, Brian Forrest, and then a plethora of brand new faces, which will be really nice to see um, on screen. This is sort of this is the biggest Never Hike Alone production that we've done though so far. We've been sort of by necessity smaller films. So this is a feature film. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, who have seen Never Hike in the Snow, Never Hike Alone, Never Hike in the Snow was meant to be a pilot episode to a four-part miniseries. Uh, but with the pandemic, we got pushed back to um, got pushed back to 2023. So what people are going to be seeing in Never Hike Alone 2 is not just what it was like. It was never. It, it was sort of originally plotted this way, but then to make it on the budgets that we were raising back then, I broke it out into four episodes: Never Hike in the Snow, Never Hike Again, Jason Takes Crystal Lake, and The Final Hike. And with the pandemic pushing everything back, I pushed everything back into one movie. You know, because we already shot Never Hike in the Snow, so that didn't come back then. But uh, as one movie to become what it originally was, which was just Never Hike Alone Two as a sequel. Um, so it's gonna be. I'm, I'm really excited. Um, it mostly picks up right after Never Hike Alone 1 ends, but there is a little bit of uh, pre-lap with uh, leading into the movie a little bit. It's meeting Tom Matthews' uh, Tommy Jarvis um, and what his life is like and sort of what events led him to finding Kyle McLeod and what sort of happened after Kyle McLeod got there. And then sort of as that night unfolds, Jason chasing them down to the hospital um, and trying to kill everybody along the way. So it's, it's, a, it's a fun extension of Never Hike Alone 1. So if you like the first one, um, this one's going to be a little bit different. This is more of a, of a traditional Friday, a traditional feature film. Um, the, it, no longer relying on like the half um, found footage aspect, although found footage does play an important role in the film, which is pretty nice. We found a way to stay on theme. Um, and then just, you know, this is Womp Stomp Films team now with 3,000 backers and a bunch of great producers who have supported us to make um, something much bigger than we've ever been had the privilege to make before. So I don't know, we just consider ourselves lucky and 
we're excited. We, it's been a lot of work. I'm very tired. Uh, yeah. But uh, so far, so good. Um, we just take taking it one day at a time, one shoot block at a time, and we're really excited for the next one that's coming up. Yeah, it's, you guys have to be like just thrilled with the amount of backing you've had too, because the 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 funding is has been amazing for this. Obviously, your first two were hugely successful, and uh, everybody, you know, I a lot of people like it, and they almost can. A lot of people consider this like canon, almost. You know, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to treat it that way. Um, we're trying to treat it like people have been supporting it and, you know, we come at it with a very serious, uh, mindset. Uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it, but it, it's, it's hard work, you know, making a movie is not easy, especially in California. There's just so many more loopholes and people to pay off and, and costs right. associated. And like with the, the film sliding back, there's a bunch of other stuff that I won't jump into just as far as like how that works logistically for your film. And then when it comes to taxes and all that fun stuff, but yeah, the support has really helped us this extra support, which we thought was sort of like, Oh wow. Like we have all this money. Now it's like, thank God we had this money because if it wasn't for everyone supporting it and continuing support it and pushing us past our stretch goals, we would have been in trouble in a few places as far as like with things extending with weeks, not being put together. Um, rentals getting split up over you know multiple rentals versus one long rental which is usually oh, yeah. a little bit cheaper you can get better deals um so it has increased like the the cost of production has increased over time with the film because of the way that other things have impacted it and, mm -hmm. and shifted our schedule around things like in a lot of ways things we can't control so yeah we definitely ate up our contingency budget we're still raising to keep things going um so yeah we've definitely been pushing the campaign a lot lately uh, recently, we released um, a brand new sort of marketing campaign and image for the film uh, with Tom and myself doing some photography with our uh, still photographer, uh, Ashley Cummington. And RYVE Creative uh, created a set of new posters for us, which we made new Blu-ray wraps. And uh, there's an, there's actually a contest uh, for backers if they get the Jarvis versus Jason package that enters them into a contest to become an executive producer. And they will get all of the executive producer perks, get their name listed as an executive producer next to Tom and Vinny and myself and Bill Hunt, um, who is one of our, uh, who's our art director as well, but was a visual effects artist on Jason Goes to Hell and Lord of the Rings and all of those things. Um, so it's a cool thing to be on. And you walk away with Tommy Screen new shotgun, which is really cool. So, wow. you know, we, with this time that we have left, we've been really trying to, um, you know, just rally as many. I mean, people are still discovering Never Hike Alone. It's crazy. Like, people are like, I just found out about this. I see it in the comments and, and YouTube. And I'm like, hey, it took you six years, but glad you're here finally. Hey, by the yeah. way, if you want to see the next one, you can get your name in the credits. Um, but I think at the end, that's sort of, that's the big goal is that there's, you know, mm -hmm. the film, maybe the film's 80 minutes runtime, but like five of those minutes is going to be scrolling through. <laughs> all the names that have backed this film, which totally. is a, which is this cool because it shows all these people from around the world. I mean, I think right now it's up to forty two or forty three different countries, um, over three thousand individual backers. Um, wow, way more than we've ever had before. And you know, we still have you know it's June now, and we're gonna the film's not gonna come out till October. So you're probably gonna see us keep the doors open until mid September, so we can do so we can finish credits by then. And even after that, we'll leave it open because when the film comes out. More people are going to discover it as people are talking about it. They're going to get to the series. More people are going to want more. And so we'll probably stay open through the end of the year with our Indiegogo. And then once we have our final orders in and we're receiving all of our Blu-rays and all of those things, we'll shut it all down. 
Um, yeah. And that will be it. And then that, that, and that's how fan films work. If this doesn't go on forever, eventually it ends. And then what everybody gets, everybody gets, and it becomes your collectible item that yeah. uh, hopefully continues to increase in value. As I see on eBay, people paying $75 for a, a never hike alone Blu-ray when I got them for 20, wow. uh, you know what I mean? It's like, but I mean, I guess that's the price of getting them right now. You know what I mean? So yeah. it is what it is. Um, and it's a cool thing, but yeah, that's the cool thing about the fan film is that the backing creates the, the material and then the material becomes collectible items. And then, you know, in 10 years, when people are talking about the period, the dark times, when there were, you know, legal problems and no one could get a movie off the ground, there were these spunky, you know, fans from all over the world that all created a bunch of fan films and somebody may have all the DVDs from all of them, but I think it'd be kind of cool to own a piece of Friday history saying that like, this is the time when the fans took over. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, hey Vincent, uh, I had a question. Uh, I mean, not that you really need another reason to help out this uh, cause, but as I was reading through, I noticed that uh, you're giving some proceeds to your earnings to three extremely great causes. And I was kind of hoping you could get into those a bit. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be really upfront with this. Like, I believe that if a fan film is so successful that it's got so much money that it doesn't need to use all the money on the film that you got to find avenues. You can't keep that money. Mm -hmm. So you have to find an avenue for go. We've backed uh, the Penny Pines reforestation program. We've backed the JD March recovery fund, and we've also backed uh, the special Olympics. So those are three uh, organizations that we've gotten behind um, when we've had some extra cast, uh, extra cash and, and put it in there. But I will say this, that every dollar that we raise for, for a never hike movie, like it goes into the movie. Like nine times out of 10, it goes into the movie. The only time we've ever had, or the only time we really have any overages is when, um, or not overages, but we see any sort of like positive in, in the numbers is when we're, we finish the film when we do home video campaigns. Then we walk away with a little bit of money and we have something to donate. But um, it's mostly as a safety precaution of doing a fan film and not making profit and making sure that people see that our intentions are good. We're here because we love Friday the 13th. It's been a mm -hmm. long time since we've had an official movie and fan films are great. But, you know, we wanted to push the envelope on fan films and make people and blur the line. And that's been our goal. And I think that we've been pretty successful at that. And we couldn't have done that without the support of fans backing us, spreading the word, you know, word of mouth of just even telling somebody else about the film. So they discover it um, or even like parents showing it to their kids because Never Hike Alone is a little bit more of a safer film to show your film than maybe, you know, part four. Right. I mean, I guess you can get away with part six because there's no nudity into it, but you know, for the most part, it's a good introduction to Jason. It sticks to the themes. And I think, you know, fans of, uh, without the fans, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And, you know, when we do have a chance, we get to do something really good with the money as well. Yeah, that's great. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Could, uh, I'm yeah, going to uh, really quickly because, you know, I remember I, I was working at Arrow in the Head and I, I, there was a lot of talk when Never, Never Hike Alone came out. And we were all like, oh, what is this? Because let's be honest, a lot of fan films didn't, have that kind of care and love let's be real mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. when when that came out you do you feel that you've kind of raised the bar for how pe what people can do with a, a an existing property well i mean i think we i was definitely like riding off the wave of ari shanker he did the dark power rangers fan film he did dirty laundry there were 
the, the difference I would say is that like an Ari Shank or somebody who has like a, a fantastic film and commercial career, like he has the money, he's got the connections, he's calling Pete favors in. So, you know, he kind of has the carte blanche to kind of throw his weight around and try some stuff and call it like, uh, I don't even know if you would call it a fan film. I think you would just call it like, um, you know, like a, a proof of concept, you know, they probably say, Hey, this is a proof of concept that I'm using for pitching and I'm trying to get money to do this. Yada, yada, yada. I think for, for the consumer, I think the consumer independent market, uh, yeah, we were definitely out to, it wasn't so much to like really put anyone else on notice. It was just ourselves. We were just, we'd worked on a bunch of ind- independent films and, you know, saw the limitations of it, but we were lucky that it, we did this film at the cups when um, prosumer con- cameras were coming out. Uh, things like the Sony AS7 II and the C- Canon 5D Mark II and Mark III and Mark IV. Um, things that were shooting HD, things that look cinematic, you can change lenses, you could do it in a way um, for a price that was affordable, unlike the fan films of the past, which usually had to rely on digital handicaps, things that only had one zoom lens with no cinematic value to it at all. And, you know, filming on the DV tapes and maybe putting, maybe cutting in camera, or maybe you had like a final cut pro cut in, but it was really sort of tough to get the right technology up until about the time that we started doing it was when you saw that, that change in independent cinema really take over when, and the films really start to go there. So, you know, I think with a combination of the technology and then the background, uh, working in story and animation uh, for like up to eight years at that point, that I had sort of good training. It was a, it was a good combination of the both. I had a really good team. Chris Ellis was my DP along with JD Martz. Um, both of them were very in tune with how to get cinematic images. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so we just started renting things and experimenting and trying to trying to get it there and. By doing that, I definitely noticed that now that becomes like if you're going to do a fan film, now people really push to say, "Well, we want to do it like Never Hike Alone did." Like if we're going to do it, let's do it like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We want to repeat that success, so we do see like I get a lot of emails from fans asking us how we do it. How do you navigate the legal waters? How do you how do you shoot it like that? What what cameras did you use? Like how many people do you have on set? Um, are you SAG? Are you not SAG? You know, union production, all those things. And so depending on, you know, the question, depending on who's asking and their experience, I give them an answer saying, you know, here's basically how you get started. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is up to you. And, and it all comes down to experimentation and doing your work and doing the study. And, um, you know, and since then I've seen a lot of like a lot of great effort. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's a lot of great effort. Um, I think that the quality across the board has raised and now you're seeing people really try Like people are putting together like real productions. It's not just going out in the backyard anymore. People are like going through the paces of, of independent filmmaking. And so I think that the real winners are the fans. It's the fans who have taken this opportunity with fan films being so popular and getting funding and getting those things to expand themselves as filmmakers. Um, and I think mm-hmm. fans have, have won because they've had material to chew on every three or four months. There's a new Friday the 13th fan film coming out that has a wildly different plot. So whether you can say the, the you know, whether or not you can say the quality is up to par of what you think that, you know, it should be based on sort of the way that we've skewed it, at the end of the day, you got to kind of like look at the effort, look who's involved and just see, you know, it's just, it's just fans out there having fun and it's a lot better than nothing. So celebrate it for what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, uh, you guys used a red for the previous film, right? Was that what I thought you said? Yes. That, we recall that. 
Yeah, we used, um, we eventually, uh, our DP now, Evan Butka, he's, he uses red cameras. We've used right. a red Epic. Um, we used a red Epic on Never Hike Alone only okay. for half the movie. The first half of the movie was shot with a Sony AS7 II um, oh. and Evan's lenses. Uh, so that's how we met Evan was we were renting his lenses. Then he's like, guys, I have an Epic. Do you want to shoot with that instead? And we said, come on out, <laughs> like, come shoot with us. Um, and awesome. now, and now. And so now Evan's been, you know, done really, really well in his career as a DP and, and in the camera world. And now he's up to, uh, we work on a, a Red Ranger Monstro, which shoots 8K. Wow. Um, we got beautiful, beautiful. Um, uh, what's the name? I'm, I'm forgetting the lenses because I, I just worked with Atlas. So I have Atlas lenses on my mind, but we use, uh, no, Tokina Vista Primes. So Tokina Vista Primes, uh, red, um, the Red Ranger Monstro, which has a beautiful sensor. Um, get, we're, I'm really happy with the images that we're getting for Never Hike Alone too. I think everything just coming right out with like the, the base LUT on it already looks good. Yeah. So, um, really happy with that. You know, Tukin has been our, our lens people since Never Hike in the Snow. They've, they've, they've worked with us. Um, and then after that, it comes down to everything else you do on set. You know what I mean? The way you dress totally. people, the way you dress the set, the way you light it everything you know what i mean yeah. so there, there's a there's all that too so i have a really good team that's that's around me in all these different departments and that's really what wapsop films is it, it's it's a long-term collection of young and upcoming young like young and upcoming artists and crew workers and actors and actresses that um you know that we've crossed paths in some way shape or form and i said hey you want to come on this crazy adventure we're making another one of these you could play this role you could do this department you could do this thing mm-hmm. and they've joined it and you know now we have a full team that you know from pre-production to post-production we can get through an entire production so it's, it's definitely built us from a group of friends going out into the woods and shooting things for fun by the time we finish this adventure and this film comes out we will be a fully fledged independent film studio that if we get funding for one of our original productions can go through all the paces, just like a normal movie and maybe make something for the real streaming services at that point, uh, instead of just releasing our material for free, which honestly right. with this, I'm happy to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- I mean, this is, this could be a total launching pad for your original stuff too. I mean, if, mm-hmm. it, if people are, I mean, already are v- very interested in that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think probably this go around, you got a lot of interest because you're wanting to do another uh, fan film of, of, you know, sequel. But they see this. I have a feeling people are going to be saying, well, what else can you guys do? And maybe find a way to monetize it because you really can't monetize this at all. Right. Yeah. Is there any way to to pay yourself for this or is this pretty much all? Volunteer no, time? I mean, the goal is just like to break even. Um, yeah. That's really the goal. I mean, we try to put as much into the production as possible. I try to take care of my team as much as possible because they're the ones that have to go out there. But I mean, I've taken time. Are you able to pay the crew? Yeah, I'm able to pay the crew because I hire them as as, um, private contractors. Okay. Um, So I'm able to hire people to do the job that I need them to do. Um, But the main producers and people who are at the center of the film don't get paid. Um, And I take the biggest hit because I take time off of work. I actually haven't had. I haven't been able to do like a full-time job in about a year and a half because wow. I've had this looming in the background being like, Hey, I'm, at some point I got to take two and a half months off to go make a movie. And every, yeah. every big company that I've, <laughs> I've uh, interviewed at has been like, no, we're good. So a lot of what I've been doing is like piecemeal. Um, I've been working either show to show or day to day. So if I have three months off, I can work on a TV show for three months and commit that time. And then if I got some stuff to do with this, like, okay, I pick up, three, four days a week here and there while I'm doing other things and sort of working a supplemented income. 
like, like I told you guys before we get started, I'm staying up here in Thousand Oaks as a guest for one of my mentors who was an EP on the first movie, Carolyn Gare. Um, I, you know, I was back in Massachusetts last year getting ready for a production when everything shifted to this year. So I ended up staying in Massachusetts for another year and getting some work out there, worked on a couple of movies, did some, um, did some commercials, and then also worked for my parents in their antique business. So it's been a very wild year of, uh, yeah. I don't know where I'm going to be. And when Never Hike Alone 2 is done, I'm literally going to stand at the precipice of, you know, hopefully the goal is to go to Telluride Horror Show. Uh, we're going to premiere it on Friday the 13th in October, which is the exact six-year anniversary to when we debuted Never Hike Alone 1 was on Friday the 13th in Telluride. And this is the first Friday the 13th in October there's been since we released Never Hike Alone. So just yeah. like, it seems like mathematically it's all sort yep. of coming together, even though I didn't want to wait this long to do it. Yeah. Um, it worked out perfectly. <laughs> Worked out okay in, in the long run. And then after the movie's done, I'm going to walk out in the street of Telluride. I'm going to look left and I'm going to look right. I'm going to have to figure out which way I'm going after the film. Uh, mm -hmm. Am I coming back to LA? Am I going back to Massachusetts? What jobs are going to be waiting for me? Is Never Hike Alone going to open a door? Um, I mean, Never Hike mm -hmm. Alone opened up a lot of doors, the original one. I got to do a lot of meetings, but I was so focused on making that movie and I had been coming out of animation when everyone was like, okay, what do you got? What are your pitches? I'm like, I've been working on Never Hike Alone for a year and a half. I haven't even thought about another movie, never mind right. any of those things. So it was a big lesson for me to learn. I got to meet a lot of very interesting people, and I've pitched since then. But I think after Never Hike Alone 2, now I had the opportunity. I've been, I've been paired with a few writers on a couple of different original projects that I can't really talk about. Um, and really excited about those, those things. Uh, I have Good. a list of things that I pitch. So I'm just ready to make those rounds and see what happens. But in the meantime, like, you know, I may end up on another TV show just working on the AD department. I may end up back in Massachusetts just doing some, like, house cleanouts for antiques. I may be doing those things, but I will be – what Never Hike Alone has taught me is that as much as I want to make a studio film or I want to do go through the, the avenues to do it, we do have a backing. We do have people out there that, that allow us to make independent cinema. So if I want to make, like, a short that I have, like, about a handful of those two that I could do, there's other shorts that we could make. Um, we could always return to crowdfunding. We could always do it that way. And, and you know, this, uh, this fan base that we've built really just sort of lean on them to say, Hey, we're, we're here to make more stuff and we want to make some original things. Um, you know, and, and the funny thing is, is like, everyone's like, well, you know, now don't you want to make like original stuff so you can make money? I will say this, how many independent horror directors do you know that make a lot of money? True. So I don't think it's ever really about the money. It's about doing it for me. It's about one thing. I want to make films that people watch. Yeah. that they want to tune in and watch. And that's been the glory of Never Hike Alone for me is the fact that people watch it, they talk about it, and they want to talk about it with me every now and then or when I bring it up in conversation, it's something that people recognize. I've yeah. spent years on films, years, like dedicated years to single films that when I bring them up, people are like, what film? Yeah. And it's not a great feeling when you've done that. You know what I mean? That's so true. to do this on, on something like this, you know, as, as much as it gets dismissed sometimes, I think by a few... Um, a few of my critics that are out there, I always just turn around and be like, hey, people are watching it, so I'm not going to mm -hmm. argue with it. Why am I making a second one? Because, you know, right now we're, we're coming up on 4 million views on the first one. And yeah. making the first one opened up the opportunity for me to make the film that I've always wanted to make. The one, like, out of love. Like, I've always wanted to work on a Friday the 13th, but I've always wanted to see a very specific Friday the 13th. It was one that put the nail in the coffin. It was the one that we never got after part eight. That was supposed to say, this is the final Friday and this is how we're going to end the whole series and sort of like blew it all up, literally. Um, 
this was my chance to kind of come in and be like, no, this is how you close the franchise out for the original franchise. And whatever they do in the future, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Peacock series. I'm looking forward to see what they do when they finally bring it back to the theater. I'll obviously have opinions, but I hope maybe, you know, maybe I'm in, you know, in the conversation somewhere, even if it's just a, a name, like they mentioned me and they say, nah, I'm not the fan film guy, but at least they brought my name up. Yeah. Whereas if I never did this, I would have never been part of the conversation because I would have been tucked away in some boardroom somewhere and some animation company, you know, figuring out like how we were going to do the same formula for the 5,000th time with a different, you know, goofy looking character. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's sort of my, um, you know, I'd rather be doing that for Friday the 13th. How do we tell the fifth, five thousandth movie of this thing right, um, yeah I, I just feel like i'm this is this is where my skill set is it's horror it's i mean comedy too but um but horror is like where i love to to tell story and these are the types of stories that i love to tell yeah now, if uh, someone came up to you and said hey you know we got the 13th friday the 13th movie we're finally going to make it come on direct it do you have any ideas and thoughts that you'd be like "Ooh, i know what i want to do i already have a trilogy figured out Oh, I know. I, I've been sitting on a trilogy for like five years. Um, I know exactly what I would do. I know exactly how I would do it. Um, I know the types of things that I would pitch. In fact, I don't just have a trilogy. I have two different ideas, depending on which way they, what they want to do. But both of them are based on the fact that we're not just making one. So I'm setting things up in one for three. And I, you got to do three at least. Like you got to go three. And if you don't go more than three, like, I think that like Halloween did it right by, they chose to do it that way. They just should have been a little bit more lock and step with, okay, this is exactly how it's going to pan out. And this is exactly how we're going to do it. Same thing with like Star Wars, like they were writing them as they went versus being like, no, this is where each one leads to. It's not that you can't make discoveries along the way. Like I wrote Never Heck Alone 2 five years ago and I've been making changes ever since, but like it's based on all the things that updated as we made Never Heck Alone and Never Heck in the Snow and put the ghost cut together and did some thinking or store off some mistakes we made in previous ones. Like, oh, maybe we can polish this up in part two and make this a little bit better. Um, so I think that like, I think more than anything, no matter what they choose, that's what fans want. They want somebody in the creative seat who's like, no, 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 I am... I am three films ahead already. Like I'm here to make the first one, but I, I, I have a vision of where it's going to go and I'm not playing guesswork. I'm not making it up as I go. And I think that's one of the, one of the great things about the Peacock series is that when you listen to Brian Fuller talk about it, he talks about the fact that he already has like the first two seasons outlined in a way. Like he already knows what he's going to do for the first two seasons. So it, at least you know there's a general direction and then you open yourself up for opportunity to move in different directions as, as things as you make it and you discover things along the way and people bring stuff to set, it, it helps you sort of um, navigate the, the creative uh, dips and dips and dives and not to always be stuck in one way if it's not working. So um, I think that that is, that's what fans want. They want somebody who's passionate and creative and who has a, who has a vision for where they want to take it. That way it's not, um, it's not like it was before where it just felt like they were making it up as they go every time a new movie came out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Uh, we actually we just watched a movie uh, this last week for one of our our our, our previous episode. Uh, it was the it was Eyes, uh, of Eyes of a Stranger, and there was a uh, John Desanti is a actor was the main actor. Is he related to you? No, but when I would type in my name every now and then, like he would always pop up. 
I know John yeah. DeSanti. That's I, it's like the only one. I'd be like, oh, like when I got my first IMDb credit, I'd like put my name in. And then he popped up. I went, oh, there's a DeSanti. Do I know him? Yeah. <laughs> like so, no. But I would, yeah. He, we're probably from the same same part of Sicily, though. Probably, yeah, yeah. I would imagine you, yeah. If you haven't so, seen the movie, though, I highly recommend it. Jason, oh yeah, Jason yeah, Lee's movie. first film. Yeah, really good film. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of your IMDb credits, I we're not letting you go until we talk about Thirteen Fanboy. Yeah, you you want to jump uh, into Thirteen Fanboy now? Yeah. So how how did you get attached with that? And I mean, it, that must have been like an absolute dream project for you. So fill me in. I mean, again, when, when, yeah, when people talk about like, oh, you did never hike alone, what's that really gotten you? It's like, well, it got me cast in 13 Fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not too shabby. I mean, I, that's how I met Deb. Deb actually contacted me because she had questions about crowdfunding. So right away, you know, I got to sit down and talk to Deb about crowdfunding. Um, you know, she was looking for talent. Uh, for the film. So I helped her, you know, recruit Haley Greenbauer. Uh, you know, she ended up getting uh, Kyle McLeod, uh, Andrew Lady. So, you know, two of my friends ended up making the movie, uh, which was really And you really played cool. we yourself, right? I did. I played myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, it, which in the end ended up making a lot of sense. It, I wasn't always supposed to be the character that I played in the long run. Like I was always supposed to be in the movie. I was supposed to have a couple of cameos and pop up here and there. But I ended up wearing a bigger hat down the line due to some scheduling conflicts and not figuring out sort of like who could play a certain role. Mm -hmm. And then Deb came to me and said, well, we're thinking about making it you. And I was like, I don't want to say anything, but it's kind of perfect. It makes sense. It is like yeah. a bizarro version of me. Um, mm -hmm. And it, like, of course it would be me because I'm the psycho fan. So like, right. Let's let me, let me play that role. You know what I mean? So it was a lot of fun to do that. I was always supposed to do a lot of the stunt work for that anyway. Um, so I ended up doing the stunts. I got to fight Kane Hodder, got to fight CJ Graham, um, got to kill a lot yeah. of people, um, yeah. and then work with, and that's where I met Nora Hewitt and Nora, uh, became the effects lead on all the never hike movies. Um, in fact, mm. when Nora and I had first met the second night that we met, I started telling her about the disappear music video and never hike in the snow and literally acted out both films for her. So she could like, this is the entire film and everything. I had it all figured out then. Um, We've been good friends ever since. So, um, so yeah, never. Uh, so, Thirteen Fanboy was just a, a wonderful experience. Getting to know uh, that's where I got to meet Tracy Savage and Judy Aronson, who I'm still mm -hmm. really good friends with. Uh, Tracy appears in the Ghost Cut for Never Hike Alone. She plays herself. Who uh, Tracy, for those of you who don't know, became um, an anchor, a news anchor in Los Angeles for over 20, 30 years. She actually teaches broadcast journalism. Um, I believe at Cal State Northridge now. Huh. Um, and, um, yeah, she's awesome. You know, Judy and I became, you know, we were like thickest thieves in the movie. So, you know, we became really good friends. In fact, I was just texting her happy birthday. Um, mm. and I'm, I'm excited to go hang out with her again, but it, it's cool. You know, I, it's, it, all of these people were heroes to me as a kid growing up because they were the people that are, they're in, you know, the films and, right. Getting to getting doing Never Hike Alone, I got to meet a lot of them personally. Tom McLaughlin, you know, we used to go get breakfast out in Hollywood before the pandemic all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Judy took me out to an event of part four once where I got to sit down and talk to Joe Zito. Um, got to talk to Lawrence Monson um, and the twins and just kind of hang out and like, not just like, the cool thing is, is like, we're not at a convention and we're not doing like the, oh, convention things and convention. It's like, it's just like hanging out with people 
coworkers. Yeah. Like, yeah. so you get to sort of get that, that, and, and for me, it's nice because I always like to be a fly on the wall for people who have been doing this a lot longer than I have, who have stories, who have been on sets where shit has gone down. Yeah. And so you learn a lot from that. It's just entertaining to me. So I would say that's been the greatest gift as far as like selfishly, like getting to meet a lot of the alumni and have those experiences of, you know, them not realizing it, but hearing their stories about the things that they went through as actors and, you know, directors and producers, you know, way back in the day, it was actually been really helpful in like me figuring out my career and feeling better about some of the things I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really, it really is a blessing to, to sort of have that opportunity. Yeah, that's great. Now I, something else I have a question about that I'm hoping you can give me some insight on Uh, speaking about what you touched on, how you played yourself, C.J. Graham played himself. Kane Hodder played himself. Dee <laughs> Wallace played going. herself. Yeah. Uh, any insight as to why in the hell Corey Feldman played Mike Merriman? <laughs> that was himself? his choice. That was his choice. He he just wanted to be somebody else. Yeah. Um, I asked the same question. It goes, so Corey's not playing himself? He's like, no, we, he wanted to play this like crazy producer. That's like the one who stuck out to him. He wanted to come in and do like a... He, he, I don't know. He wanted to come in and improv and have fun and, you know, do it on his terms. You know what I mean? Not just use his name, yeah. but like come in and actually play a part. So I think that was what, what he got out of it. Um, he was pretty funny on set. You know, I, I heard that he was sort of improvising a lot of stuff and all the other actors were like, wait, where is this in the pages? What am I supposed to be doing right oh, now? Wow. Where, where are we here? Um, but you know, they figured it out. It fit in. You know, I think that he brings some comedy to the film. Um, yeah, and it, I mean, it, it, again, it's just cool. I, I, the, he was the one I didn't get to meet. I did meet uh, him at the premiere, but I didn't meet him, meet him. He was just sort of there and then slinked out after the screening when we did the Q&A. But hmm. hey, can't win him He was probably on to the next project. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or he had band practice. I don't know. One of them. <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, that yeah. could be too. Yeah, he had a show, <laughs> show that night. Yeah. So auditioning <laughs> angels. Uh, yeah. Can you uh, – can you just touch a little bit on what what the rules are uh, for a fan film in terms of uh, I I know you know you can't monetize it in any way, but uh, so you you basically have to in terms of you having DVD or a Blu-ray of it or whatever, you really can't sell it, right? Um, correct. Well, what I can't do is well, let me go over the, I'll go over the list and I'll jump into that quick. It's like, first of all, you can't misrepresent yourself. You can't say this is Friday the 13th. Right. Like we say, never hike alone a Friday the 13th fan film. It's in the title. That's the first thing you can't like mislead people. Um, yeah. then you can't make a profit. Um, you know, you can't use, I can't sell it to Netflix and then get streaming points. I can't mm-hmm. put it on Amazon and then, you know, sell the Blu-ray through that way. Mm-hmm. Um, or any goods, really. I can't sell any goods in that sense as long as it's related or has something related to Friday the 13th on it. Can I sell something with Never Hike Alone on it? Maybe. I, I don't know if someone has the copyright to the phrase Never Hike Alone, and maybe I need to get it. Um, as long as it sort of doesn't do any of those things, you're okay. And then there's a gray area of how much money can you raise? How long can you make it? Can you have franchise people in it? All of these different things, depending on the different uh, franchises that you're trying to make a fan film from all of them have different rules if you mm-hmm. try to make a godzilla fan film right now uh, toho will sue you into you know sue you to the moon like they don't want any fan films being done uh, there was a time when halloween would go after people there were times when 
Um, Star Trek really kind of set the trend. They went after a company that was making a $1.2 million uh, fan film called Axonaut. Uh, they got sued by, by uh, CBS. Uh, Les Moonves sued them. And then it's, it actually sort of was the most public case that I can think of that set those rules. That there was a rule of like $50,000 was the limit that you could raise. 25 minutes was the, was the runtime that you could have. And you couldn't have franchise alumni show up and continue their storylines. Well, Never Hike Alone has broken all of those rules, but again, it comes down to our franchise rights holders. So when asked about it, when 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 you ask Sean about like, hey, what do you think about Never Hike Alone? He goes, what's Never Hike Alone? Because he really doesn't pay attention and he doesn't care. Mm. Um, I know because I've met him three times. He doesn't remember me. And each time, and when people ask him about Never Hike Alone, he's like, ah, yeah, whatever. Like, it's not a big deal to him. Uh, I went to a, a conference with Victor Miller, who was there uh, digitally. He was on a screen, and one of the fans asked him, "What do you think about all these fan films that are coming out?" Because there were so many fan films at that um, at that event. He goes, "I don't care. They're not impacting me. Like if anything, they're helping keep the franchise alive." So, right. I'm not going to spend any of my time after doing all this other legal BS going after fan films for stuff because I'm not worried about what. Like again, at the end of the day. No matter how good one of our fan films does, as soon as something official comes out, like we're all going to get blown out of the water. It's not even going to be close. So we'll, we'll just be lucky if there's some remnants of this left when they come back and start doing this again. Um, so, you know, everything else since then and everything that we've done has been an experiment. What can we get away with? What can't we get away with? And everything has been geared towards how do we make it so... How can we get fans Blu-rays because they're requesting them without making a profit and without getting sued? Well, the only way to do it was to try. So we did it and basically like, you know, we don't print a million Blu-rays and put them in the Walmart, Amazon and sell them till the end of time. We basically say like, if you want this, you can pay to have it made. And if everybody pays 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks and enough people pay it, that means we can pay for the fees to get the Blu-ray disc image made. That means we can get the master disc made. That means we can get... 2000 copies made, but we're only going to sell it for a limited time and the proceeds are only going to go towards making the production whole. So it's either going to do towards the, the shipping and production of the actual Blu-rays. And like the first time we did it, we were severely in debt for making the first movie. So we paid off all the, the pending debts that we had and it broke us back to even. And then we had a little bit of money left over that went to JD March's fund. We went to Penny Pines restore reforestation project and then the only thing I did selfishly with the money was I took a little bit of it out to pay for uh, two to three weekends where me and a producer went back up to the original camp where we shot Never Hike Alone. We bought wood, we bought tools um, and different things to go up and fix the camp. And that, when I say fix the camp, that's taking down all the broken boards that were hanging off and like in, in danger of falling on people. Uh, all the glass that was in the window, one which cut my arm at one point during filming, we knocked out all the glass and dumped it in sort of a safe place to dump it. And just hmm. went up over a series of weekends and cleaned the entire place up so that when other hikers went up there to visit or fans found out where we made the movie and wanted to go visit, that we basically built like a living museum. Of We hmm. kept as many of the, of, the, of the sets up as that we could and everything else we just cleaned so it wasn't dirty and filthy and, um, and nasty. We called that... Uh, project college camp. So, mm. um, it's basically, you just got to be clever. You know what I mean? As long yeah. as you're clever and you're not and like now the campaign's over, I'm not like on eBay selling them or I'm not on, um, you know, I'm not doing anything that's like massive profit. The, the studios don't care what they, what they care about is if you're making millions of dollars and they're not getting a cut, which right. at that point, if we started making millions of dollars, it'd be like a cut. Why don't you just buy us out and put us on shelves and we can all make millions. 
Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's my ultimate goal for, for never hike is that like at the end of the day, if you guys think it's good enough and enough fans like it, why don't you test the market with it? Because it's something that's already made and you don't have to do any development on. You can just slap a logo on it, yeah. put it in, put it in stores or put it on streaming and, and let it make money for you. Yeah. Um, and I know that opens up a gray area because now everyone wants to make their Friday the 13th film and do it. But like, you know, it's been six years and I can't say there are many other fan films out there that could that you could do this for. Um, and if you could do this, that for other fan films, it's not necessarily a bad thing because, again, there's no investment from the studios other than when yeah. they need to get it into the next level of stuff. Do a do a you know a dual disc of thing of a bunch of fan films. You know what I mean? Like get people like celebrate. Don't don't penalize people for it. Celebrate what we've done. And, you know, make more people aware of it because it only helps spread the word about Friday the 13th, too. I mean, think about that. If, if an official studio was like, hey, we rallied on the back of our fans because they did so much great work. Yeah. Um, I think that would make you more apt to be a fan yourself. You know what I mean? I think it's a cool story. I think that it's a win-win for everybody. But at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're happy to have made them. I can't wait for Never Hike Alone 2 to come out. Um, I'm really proud of what we've done so far, it, the way it's coming together. Um, Mike just started cutting a couple weeks ago, uh, on the stuff that we've already started shooting. So I'm very excited to get in and start seeing some of these scenes. We may do another sneak preview sometime in July, um, nice. and show people another part of the movie. It'll be the same thing. It'll be like just a whole chunk of the movie that you're going to watch, uh, probably yeah. about two, three minute clip. Um, but again, it just shows, shows off some really cool stuff. Doesn't give too much away. Um, and it's part of the story that you're already anticipating at some point. So I think it's cool. And it brings some of the new characters into the fold. Um, and then after that, it's just going to be a March to October and getting this thing screened and seeing what people think and seeing where the chips fall. Yeah. So exciting. So exciting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jimmy or Joe, did you guys have any? Yeah, I do. I want to jump in, you know, as a look, I, I saw this movie as a kid. It, it, the original uh, Friday the 13th. When did you see it? And, and, and when was your first experience watching the, and which was the first film that you saw? Um, the first one for me, I think was either part six or it was part seven. Cause I remember the intro and then jumping around from there. Um, and then I watched them all out of order a bunch of times and then finally watched the first one. I didn't know where Jason was and I was so confused. And then he had the bag on his head and I was confused again. Mm-hmm. And then I started watching the, then it became like, wait, what's going on with these movies? And I just started watching them over and over again. And for me, part six is my favorite. Um, probably my top three is six, four, two. Um, I think that that's sort of a, a pretty solid order of, of, I think hierarchy for me, as far as the way, what I love about Jason, what I love about the films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those two, those three films really execute Jason at the highest level, have, have good scares, have good tone. Um, and just overall, just like make, or what made me scared. Um, and, and that's what I, and that's where I, I kind of base my, my stuff off of. Have you thought about, you know, obviously the best, uh, leading lady was Amy Steele. Come on, let's be real. Yeah, you, was my favorite. Yeah. Maybe bring her on this. You know? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm all, I'm, I'm all about like, you know, incorporating alumni when it makes sense. We did incorporate Amy for the Jason rising project where it did make sense. We were able to marry her in with, with the Adrian King's, uh, Alice revival. Um, and that made a little bit of sense. You know, I did want to try and get, um, of course, uh, Megan Garris, Jen, uh, Jen cook. I didn't want to bring her back, but she's not doing film anymore. So 
that was unfortunate. We couldn't work that into the script. Uh, it would have been a much different movie if she was in the movie, actually. It actually mm -hmm. would have been a much uh, different way in. Um, but unfortunately, she wasn't there, so we just kind of hint at it. If you notice, Tom wears a wedding ring in the movie, so that's really ah. all we say about it. Um, but you don't see her around, so you kind of got this feeling that like maybe Tommy threw his life away to go hunt Jason all these years, and maybe mm. she didn't want to stick around and deal with that, but he never stopped loving her. So that's sort of what we went with. It's a little wistful and, and yeah. melancholy, but um, so is Tommy's life in the movie, so it kind of fits. Yeah, that's great. Nice. I also wanted to make sure that I, you know, visual or verbally compliment you on how well that trailer was cut. It's oh, absolutely God, yeah. gorgeous. And mm -hmm. I, I have to, I have to say, I'm, I feel so bad when I found out that the child actor, that that's his actual haircut now. Is that well, true? no, he, well, it's funny he wearing because, a wig during that. No, we cut his hair into that. That's horror Stevie. Oh he's from God. Atlanta. Um, he's a cosplayer himself. He let us cut his hair. He had long, long hair and we cut it into the bowl cut. Um, yeah. but it's awesome. Yeah. But <laughs> it only got that way when we had it straightened. So after it got, uh -huh. after he would get out of like the water or anything, it would curl right up. And so oh, we I had, see. we had, we actually had a, a hair person on set who was straightening his hair between takes, um, and drying it. It was really funny. Um, and yeah, we, you know, he's a sport for letting us do it. He was a dead ringer for Corey Feldman, uh, totally. young Corey Feldman. Yeah. We thought, it, and we thought it was nice. Like the opening really kind of brings you on this journey of the three different Tommies. Like, you know, there's references to John Shepard with the Roy mask, but also the Pinehurst stuff and the Tommy tapes. And that this is how, this is Tommy's life. Like from a young boy to this now elder statesman, um, he's been haunted by this, by this ghost. And it hasn't left him. And ever since part six and the events of part seven and eight, when Jason got back out and Jason's still out there and people are still disappearing, you know, Tom still feels that guilt. He still feels haunted by Jason that he's still out there and um, he's determined to do something about it. And that's what this, this would, that's what this movie's about. But it's also about like the fact that, yeah, he's wanted to do something about it, but he hasn't been able to do anything for 20 years because he can't find Jason. It isn't until someone escapes that all of a sudden, all of the all of the secrets are revealed, and he's finally able to do what he has been training for all of these years. But now, is he? It's been a long time, so is he ready for it? Or you know, mm -hmm. he may have been thought he was ready, but like, is it now? Can he actually say what he's going to do? And luckily, he's got two people to help him out as well. Um, so never hike alone. Uh, but it's 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 a fun story. Um, I think it's an emotional one. I think that's one of the things I'm proud of is the fact that I brought a lot of emotion into it. There's a lot of real drama. Um, it feels like a real town and then shit hits the fan and everyone has to adjust and it becomes a lot of fun. And then there's a lot of action. And, you know, once the action starts towards the back half of the film, it's just like the first Never Heck Alone. It doesn't stop. It goes from one scene to the next to the next and people are just fighting for their lives. Well, yeah, it, it, it sounds so exciting. Yeah. Yes. So have you, have you ever uh, thought about looking into other properties that may not be in the, the horror genre to do? Fan um, films? No, I'm, I'm going to be done with fan films after this. Like we have uh, Dylan's new nightmare, which is going to do uh, a soft premiere in July at mad monster in Arizona. Um, we're going to show the, what we have for the film right now and pitch. Maybe we can do some extra shooting and stuff like that, add stuff to it. Um, you know, we're gonna get some feedback. We have some ideas of what we want to do before we release it, probably later on in the summer. Um, 
I've helped out with a lot of other fan films, Halloween fan films, Nightmare fan films, Jason fan films, gave a lot of stuff like that. But everything for me after this is original. I really got to get some more original work out there. I've been sitting on a lot of original material, um, mostly because of the pandemic and, you know, being able to afford productions and things like that. So now that this is out of the way and this was something I told people I was going to do. So I had to, you know, I had to, I follow through on what I say I'm going to do and we got this going and, I, and this is like I said like so passionate about telling this story that um, it doesn't matter that everything else is going to have to wait because this is the one thing that I couldn't go forward with and say like I wish I would have made it like I had I had no I'm making it like I'm not going to look back on this and say I had this opportunity this one little window to do it and then I let time pass by right that it was like no this is the only one that's like I like you know, these people are only going to be around right now. The opportunity with, with no Friday the 13th coming out is only going to be right now. Yep. Um, and I may never get an opportunity to tell the Tommy Jodis story if I do go to the studio because they don't want to pull Tommy back in in that way because the, the, the rights are so crazy. Like, it's not easy. It's not like they could just pull Tommy and there's so many. That's, there's a reason why Tommy hasn't come back. And it has to do with studio sort of bullshit with the way that rights work. So that's the great thing about the fan films that it's allowed us to just skirt around all the bullshit and get to the fact that what people want without too much argument. It's like people want to see more Tommy. Well, we brought back Tommy and we're telling mm-hmm. a story about Tommy and that's what we're giving people. Um, Cause that's what I want and that's what I've wanted to see. And along with all the other things in the film. So that's been like the, the big plus of, of all of this. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's obviously a labor of love and there's nothing that I root for more than somebody doing a labor of love and, devoting so much of their time and it is inspiring what you're doing and what yeah, you have you. done. And I, I know that there are a lot of young uh, kids out there who are interested in make be making their own movies and they're going to watch this and they're going to say, wow, he did this. I can do this. Maybe I can do this someday, you know, and they will make their own Halloween or their own, uh, you know, whatever franchise mm-hmm. scream or whatever that they are into. And, and, uh, police and, Academy. <laughs> police yeah. Academy. I will say this, I will say this, you know, for all the original stuff I want to do, I will say that if someone wants to hire me to remake something or do a, a sequel to something, Hey, I proved, you yeah. know, if anything, yeah. I can take something and run with it. Yeah. Um, I know how to build off a story and things like that. So, um, either way, I, I'm just happy to sort of work at a professional level and get to work with bigger and better budgets and, yeah, exactly. you know, get my team elevated up there to work on some projects that we just want to, at the end of the day, it's just to make the, the audience go, wow. You know, we just yeah. want to give them an experience where they walk out of the theater or they walk out of a screening or they, they, they click off YouTube and they go, holy crap, I can't believe that's what I just watched. It wasn't what I expected and it was so much more. And, and, you know, it just, it, it's a good way to sort of as a creative to get that. That's what we want. You know what I mean? Like pays the bills. That's good. Like tell me the movie's good. That's what I want to hear. You know what I mean? like, I'll, go, I'll go work at, at Staples if I need to, to, to make my income. But if you tell me my movie's good, that's, what's going to make me happy. I don't care if I made a bunch of money. Cause if you hate the movie, the money's not going to mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, you made well, a good movie, man. You made a yeah, couple of great movies. I mean, seriously. This is, look, as a Friday the 13th fan, I love this franchise. It's my favorite franchise next to Mad Max. You made one of cool. the best ones. I, no, I, thank I, you. I, I I've agree. said that online. I say it all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, you're. I, I mean, you that. say six, four, and two are your favorites. I, I would say that this, your 
uh, Never Hike Alone would, would be one of my favorites of of uh, of the whole franchise. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, no, I, and that I mean, that's a that's like a dream goal, you know, when you're getting into it. Like maybe we can make it where people will think it's just as good. And like sort of hear yeah. people say it and actually talk about it that way. It just like for me, I just think it really sort of it's rewarding because I've talked about Friday the Thirteenth in a specific way for a long time and said, mm-hmm. these are the things I always want to see about it. Cause I think this is what would elevate this series in a positive way without losing the core aspect of what we love about it. So to see it be successful and be like, okay, then I was right. There could be more films like this. And this is a good template model to say, go make more stuff like this. It doesn't all have to be the formula. It doesn't all have to be like goofy and, you know, over the top and sort of like not taken seriously. Like you could actually take it a little bit more seriously and get a lot of mileage out of it. Totally. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, we uh, will have to have you back maybe uh, after, after it comes out and and we can bask in the glow of, uh, of, of a, of a very successful release wherever it gets released to. I'm imagining it'll be YouTube, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Is there any potential for it to be like on? uh, And there are probably no streaming services that you could do it. No, it just it will just be for free. It will be for free on YouTube if you back the Indiegogo campaign, which is still going on right now. Um, You can get a digital download of the movie. You can get a Blu-ray of the movie that will come with commentary and behind the scenes and a whole bunch of other fun extra stuff. Um, And yeah, yeah, for free on YouTube, and, and that's where it will live for the for all time. And now we can do it in 4K as well. So yeah. uh, Never Hike Alone was released on 4K in, uh, on YouTube. We just put that up. So uh, that's the first one's encroaching on uh, 4 million views, so it should be about wow. next week. Uh, we do have the 4K version we can watch, which is a little bit crisper and fun. Um, Never Hike in the Snow is in 4K. And then eventually, hopefully, we'll do like a master cut of everything in 4K. Um, um which will be cool. It'll probably be like a two hour movie um, at that point. And that then would we can be say cool. we really, yeah, but that's down the line, but no, yeah, I really yeah. do. I really do, really do appreciate the kind of words. And of course I'll be, and I, I'm, I'm proud to say that Cinescare is a big part of, of what we're doing. You guys are producers on the movie. You have the, your it's Cinescare productions at the front. Um, so it's, it's cool. So it's, it's cool to have you uh, as a part of our team, really. I mean, you've joined the Wompstomp team. So welcome Excellent. aboard. Well, we love being a part of it, and thank you so much for letting us be a part of it. And uh, you know, it will, we will be big promoters and supporters of you guys, and uh, you specifically, uh, as long as you go. So no matter, we'll be following you no matter what. So. Cool. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, everybody out there be on the lookout for any trailers and also go to YouTube. Look for never hike alone. Look for uh, never hike in the snow and, and then eventually never hike it alone too. Um, and, and, and also he played, this is a, one of the only guys you probably will ever hear from who has played Jason and Michael Myers. Uh, I, I loved the Michael Myers or the, uh, Halloween fan film that where you played Michael. And technically because of some reshoots that we did on Dylan's, I technically play Freddy now. So I do have, <laughs> oh, a, I will get a Freddy credit. That's um, amazing. <laughs> not to take away from everything that Dave did. Dave did. Dave owns the role. He did. I did something very small, but technically I got to be Freddy for a shot. So ah. uh, I'm, 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 I'm throwing in my hat and they're like, I did it. So now I'm going to do Leatherface, And then I got the final four. Yeah, Maybe Leatherface. I can shave my head and do pinhead another day too, but then I got to shave the mustache too. Uh, I'd love to see you play. Uh, what's the, the killer from the burning. That would be fantastic. Oh, Cropsy. That would be <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah, I would love to see yeah. I would love to see a remake of the burning. That'd be oh, cool. Totally. Oh, right. Oh, it's yeah. ripe for a remake. I think so. 
Maybe yeah. Womp Stomp Films. Who knows? Maybe, Who knows? Yeah. Only if Jason yeah. Alexander comes back as a counselor. Yeah. <laughs> bring Holly Hunter, too. And Holly Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, oh, I can't remember his name. The uh, guy who was on Succession. I can't remember his name now. But uh, he, Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, thin guy. But. And unfortunately, of course, this week, uh, Mark was not able to be with us. So before next time, Joe, what are the movies that Mark uh wanted us to watch uh mark was dying to do a franchise again and he landed on texas chainsaw massacre so i am believing we're going to be watching the original 1974 texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. which is on shutter excellent uh, movie we will be watching texas chainsaw massacre 2 love it which is on excellent max I love that movie. Uh, love it. So we good. will be watching Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Yeah. Underrated. I like that movie too. Unfortunately, is a rental. <laughs> and then uh, 1995's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, which is also an uh, Amazon Prime rental. You guys seen that one yet? I have not seen Next Generation, no. Oh, yeah. We'll have What's the one that. with McConaughey? That's the one. That one, yeah. That's yeah, the one, the 95 one? Okay. I, I actually so. own that one, and I've never watched it. Oh, uh, you're lucky, because so we have to rent it, damn it. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I might own that one. I just remember watching it with my with, with my wife, and she's, why is she screaming and laughing all the time? It's so <laughs> ridiculous. You guys, and it's, it's Renee fun. Zellweger, too, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it uh, is. Yeah. Well, no. That'll be a good four movies, or at least two good movies, and uh, one okay, and then one um, to watch. And uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, that uh, is... Joe, do you have anything else? Uh, No, I'm good. Okay. Thanks for stopping by, Vincent. Yeah, thank you so much, Vincent. And uh, we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Good night. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Haven't watched it yet.